0: This idea of submission in the home, you know, the S word in the family, and uh, where angels fear to tread, but not me. I just went in and uh, talked a lot to the wives, today I want to speak to some of the husbands, and I didn't save any big bullets, I've got to live with all this that I say myself, you know. So uh, I think it's going to be good, I think it's going to uh, stir up something that's really encouraging in the heart of every... Every husband, and I think every person that came. So here we go to uh, Ephesians chapter five, and would you stand with me again, as we always do, for the reading of the Word of God? Verse twenty-one: Submitting to one another in the fear of God. Come on, can you say that with me? Submitting to one another in the fear, in the reverence, in the in the respect, in the in kind of the awe. God, what are you trying to say to us? Submitting to one another in the fear of God. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband, and not the man, the husband, is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. If he's the savior of the body, we have no trouble with him uh, being the head. Sometimes, though, we have a problem with people who want to be in that position of power. They, they, want, they, they want to have the respect, but they don't want to do the things that earn respect. It's true. They, they, they want to be, they're all about the position, but they're not about uh, the position of the heart. They have the right uh, desire, but it's not manifested in some kind of caring or compassion or concern in, in, in a way that would cause respect to be given. So therefore, as the church is subject to Christ, so let wives be to their own husbands in everything. And even though that's a vulnerable position, this is very linked. You cannot separate it from this next verse that goes together. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. That he might sanctify her and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. That he might present to her present her to himself a glorious church not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing but that she should be holy without and without blemish so husbands ought to love their wives like their own bodies he who loves his wife loves himself now, if he doesn't like himself if he's frustrated with himself if he feels like a failure he will not be able to love his wife properly because he'll just take out all that anger and frustration on himself on everybody else which is really important so single ladies look past the car, look past the wallet, look past the suntan, look past all this outward stuff and take a look at what you're getting into. It's really, really important. What he's What he's going on to say is no one ever hated his own flesh but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh and of his bones. For this reason a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one. And this is a great mystery. And really he explains now that this is really I'm talking to you about the church and about Christ and his relationship uh, to his bride, the church. And if we really could just get past all of our individual, it's all about me mentality and see that God wants us to to see something about ourselves that's even greater than any of our individual pursuits. That's what he's really talking about. Nevertheless, each one of you in particular, love your own wife as yourself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. I want to talk to you about no longer two no longer two individuals, but but the idea of one, that there is a we that is greater than the me, that there is this idea that if we could get a hold of that there is something more important than our own individual pursuit in life, something incredible would really happen. That's what I want to continue today, so let's pray. Pray for me. <laughs> Heavenly Father, thank you again for this awesome opportunity to open up your word. Fill me with your spirit, Lord. Empty me of myself. May all of us hear what your spirit is saying and have this... This desire, this willingness to say, yes, Lord, that's me. I want to do what you say. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you may be seated. I've been married now for 21 years. I've never thought of myself as being an expert on marriage. But I think after 21 years, maybe we have something that we could offer and say, well, I think here are some things that help in staying together. Uh, It wouldn't have been said, you know, a generation ago, 21 years, pfft, that's nothing, but you know today Twenty-one years sticks out maybe a little bit more, but I don't mean to say that we have all of the answers, that we're perfect, that it was easy for us, that we didn't have any struggle, that we always prayed and nothing you know got in the way, that uh, we never got mad at each other. (laughs) Um, You know, nothing. No, no no one will make you more angry than somebody that you love, right? It's somebody else you don't really care. It's just whatever. But somebody that you love gets on your nerves. You can get really angry. So I mean, I understand all of that and. And, I, and, I, and where this all got started, like everything else, it started with romance. I mean, we had sparks. I mean, breathtaking. All I want to think about is just talking to you, being with you. Forget all my friends. Forget everything else. Just, you know, be on a payphone for hours, plugging it, you know. What are you doing? Nothing. Just listening to each other breathe. What are you thinking about? Nothing. I'm into all of that. That all happened. That was real. It it was there. But who knows that that does not last forever. That that comes and it goes. There are highs in life and there are lows in life. There's everything in between. Things don't go always the way that you thought uh, they should. I mean, this man who was the man of your dreams, now you're washing his underwear. (laughs) this woman that you thought this is the woman of my dreams you know you can't believe the way she looks in the morning so you know you've got this you've got the reality of where the romance began and where life really is ed young talks about how two you know couples a a young man and a a young woman come together and she just thinks he is going to meet all of my needs she's he's She's going to make me, he's going to make me so happy. I'm just going to be happy. And he's thinking the exact same thing. She's going to meet all my needs and, and she's going to make me happy. <laughs> what you've got here is two ticks and no dog. That's what you've really got. You know, there's just, there's just way too much false expectation sometimes. Not recognizing there's going to be good days. There's going to be bad days. There's going to be weeks of good. And there're going to be weeks when it's really, really difficult. Now, I don't know what the future holds. I don't know what my future holds. I mean, I'm not, I don't know, and I'm not certainly not criticizing anybody whose marriage didn't last or didn't go the distance. Having said that disclaimer, I want you to know that we had a very specific goal when my wife and I got married. We did. We started off with a very clear goal. What is this going to be about? And it was very simple. It's we're going to grow old together. The goal was we are going to grow old together. We were really young when we got together. We're going to grow up together, but we are going to grow old together. The problem today that I see is that so many people never start to finish. People don't start to finish anymore. There's so much, well, I hope, or there's escape clauses, or there's preemptive, you know, secret bank account this, you know, uh, what if this doesn't work, live together to see if it works, which makes, which is, you know, like it, but it's not that, so it messes things up. I mean, it is, it, it, it's amazing. People do not start to finish anymore. Anybody in this room married longer than, that, or 50 years or longer? Raise your hand. Anybody here? Right there. Look at that. Aren't they the cutest people in the whole room? I mean, just look at them. Epitome of just love and joy it was always like that, right? That's exactly right. No, I'm telling you, 50 years, you did not get to that distance without having good days and bad days, days that were awesome and other days that you, I'm glad you're still here. <laughs> what, what, what causes a person, you know, other than just this simple thing, there is no option. We're just, we're just going to go the distance. We're going to start to finish, and you don't see that so much anymore. Now, my grandparents before they died, they were married for 67 years. 65th anniversary, got a letter from the Queen of England. That's what happens in Canada when you hit 65 years of marriage. 65 years. They don't write a lot of letters. 65 years. And, and, and he began to write me in the last year of his life. He started writing me letters. Letters that I mean, he must have known that time was short and the opportunity was, was now. And, and he just started to share with me candidly stories from his life. And I'm so grateful. But he talked candidly about the struggles. 67 years, but he talked about these were the times we struggled, 40-some years, 47 years in Africa. We struggled here were the temptations here's when it was difficult but by the grace of god and because of the word of god in me by god's grace we made it and it's interesting throughout the letters you just see that there's just this clear thread that runs through that there never was an option there was no other recourse there was no back door it was just we're going to finish our lives together it's just it's just the way it's going to be and that's what's missing so much today. A year ago, or before, or just before he died, here was one of his most, one of his last words. I'll treasure these. Listen to what he says. My grandfather said, "When, when we married, we took the stand that marriage was a lifelong covenant between us, as long as we would live." And that is where still we stand. Now we can look backwards all over these years and see it was God's hand that led us and his grace that sustained us through all the trials that every person goes through. I'm so glad that we have kept the faith and God has blessed us. Do you hear the language? Do you, do you hear in the language just, it's, it's about the we. It's about us it's about we, that, that there's no longer two, but there was this new thing, and it's called we, and we are now this, this new thing. We're no longer two, but we're one, and you can't ever separate that. The two of us shall be one, so you know things are tough right now, but we're gonna make it. Things are difficult, but we're gonna see this through, and I know we're not happy right now, but we're gonna make it. We'll see happy days again. We are going to grow old together. And so the scripture says, submitting yourselves one to another, right there is the idea, submitting yourself to a vision of something that is bigger than you, that's greater than you, that's beyond just what you individually need and what you individually want, but the idea that we now are coming together for an us, and a we, something that's that's bigger than what we were before. We're becoming a new thing, and, and we're submitting to that. And you know what? For the sake of survival... And for the sake of the we, there are times in your life where it will require you to be submitted one to another. Because you're saying, for the sake of us, and for the sake of we, then then this is how it will be. I told you last week that the root of all sin is selfishness. Selfishness, the idea that it's got to be the way I want it. Selfishness is a commitment to me. Selfishness is all about, I don't like this, and you, you don't do this for me, and I want, and I need, and you should and all of this, it's me, 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 selfishness. You know, when, when Satan rebelled in heaven, I mean, even before he was called Satan, he, his name was Lucifer, and he incited this great rebellion in heaven, and the scriptures say that he said things like this, I will become like the most high God. I will exalt myself. I will, I will, I will. The root of all sin is selfishness, and anything that stays at the me stage and the what's-in-it-for-me stage is never going to make it to the we stage. It'll never last. So whether it's a marriage, whether it's a business, whether it's an employee, if they never get past the we stage, they never last. If it's just about a me, then they're just sort of this, you know, in proximity me, but they're never really we. It was never really about us. And so, you know, as long as, as, long as you have somebody who has a me mentality in a we situation, it, does it ever work? It never works because we is not in them. In fact, they'll use the we to get as high as, you know, as the we goes up higher, and then the, when they get to where they want to go, they'll leave. I actually heard a story of a woman who, a man and a wife that got together, She put him through college and he graduated and then he went on and left. Why? Because it was never about the we, it was just about me. And that's why it didn't work. The big idea that I'm trying to communicate through this entire series is that we have got to become submitted to an idea that is bigger than just us. Is there a vision of we that's bigger than just me? that I give up something in me for the benefit of us, that all that I have, and we say these in our vows, everything that I have, all that I am, everything that belongs to me, everything in my world, all that I have is yours and it becomes ours and it's us. And that's good and it's bad because with that comes my strengths and all the things that are great about me and all the things that are good. But it's also bad because you also get my weaknesses and you get my bad habits and you get that my blind spots and the parts of me that I don't want to be seen. But you get all of that. So that means that with a vision of we, there will be times when we, just for the sake of submission to one another, we just, just put up with each other. But we put up with each other with that sense of we are going to make it and we are going to become something better than we are today. We're going to become something that we are not now. Whatever we do, it's going to be about We. So where's this vision today? Lost that vision. People don't make it to the third anniversary anymore. Uh, The wedding cake's not even paid for, and we haven't made it. And so what is happening? Well, I think what's happening is that we've just lost this whole idea of being committed to anything that's greater than just us. See, Paul really isn't talking about marriage here. He's talking about the idea of the church and, and and the bride of Christ and his relationship with Jesus. And the idea that when you came into this thing, the idea was, Jesus, I commit my life to you and I commit myself to be a part of your church. And God says, that's my vision for you. You're gonna be part of of a new thing called we. You're gonna be part of the body. You're going to be connected to some other people in, 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 in this new family that's going to outlast your, your human family. Your spiritual family is going to outlast the human family that you have. And so we belong to one another in the body of Christ. And so when I was growing up, I mean, there was just no option. If, if there was church, we're going to church. If there's if there something happening, if there's something that the church is doing, because the church isn't a building, the church is the we and the us, and so we're committed. We're going to be there. When my kids came up growing up as we started this church, they came to everything. They were, this, we're We are going to church. It's not an option. We're committed. If, we're, if we join a small group, then we are connected because this is who we are. We didn't have a mall mentality of ministry. You know what a mall mentality of ministry is? I mean, you go to the mall when you need something. You go to the mall when you see something on sale that you might like, but if you don't like it you, or you don't want to, you don't need anything, you, you don't go. And people have a mall mentality towards the body of Christ anymore. And that's why your spiritual lives aren't growing. You don't join a mall. You join a group of other Christians. You join a family and you say, God, I am now in this thing called the body of Christ and we together are now committed. And if you're only committed when things are going the way you want them to go, well, it's not going to go very far, and you're not going to go very far. And this, I, this is so important. Say, why are you talking about this? Because men, especially, we need something that's bigger than ourselves to commit to. God wired us that way. God wired every man with greatness in their heart to say, "I've got. A, I need something that's bigger than me. That kind of intimidates me. That's a challenge for me. There's something out there that I am a that I am." forced to deal with that's going to require everything that I've got. And God says, that's the kind of life I have for you. I, I have, a, I have a, a, a we that's bigger than just you. And you're going to be terrified with the responsibility that comes with it. You're going to require me. I will be your God, but I'm going to give you some responsibility. And it's going to challenge you because it's bigger than you. There's got to be something like that. So God says this, husbands, Love your wives as Christ loves the church. I'm going to be your God. I'm going to take responsibility for you, but you are going to be responsible for your family. You're going to be responsible for your wife. You're responsible for your children. You are responsible for what happens in your house. I'm holding you responsible. You're responsible for your marriage, not your wife. It's not your wife's responsibility. Your wife has the incredible ability to influence without having to carry all the weight of responsibility. The weight of responsibility, God says, is upon the shoulders of the husband. And that's why God would say, wife, submit to your husband as unto the Lord. God says, let him be the man. Give him back his man card. Let him be the one in charge. Because if you don't, your role is going to be mama. And he gets to forever stay a little boy. And now you got, you know, three kids. Now you have four one more. So, so, so husbands, take your responsibility because God's going to hold you accountable for your marriage. And so the wife says, well, I don't know about this whole submit thing, but when you put it in this light, I wonder who has the easier time. Husbands, you're responsible for your marriage. It's like this. So when she's overwhelmed, when she's, when she's frustrated, when she's when she is afraid, when she's concerned, she can come to you and cast her cares upon you. And you'll care for her. It's going to be all right. It's going to be okay. Everything's going to be fine. We're going to make it together. I'm with you in this. I'll never leave you. We're in this together. And she hears that from you. You go back to God and say, God, what are we going to do? God, I don't know what's happening. God, I'm going to need you now. God, you're going to have to show up and you cast your cares upon him. And he says to you, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will be your God. I will walk with you through the fire. Everything's going to be fine. You go back to your wife and say, I've heard from the Lord. I have a word from God. Everything's going to be okay. That's the way he designed the family to work. And whether you like it or not, it's the responsibility. And if, somebody, if, if we don't get that idea, we'll be functioning, trying to work in life without the vision, without how it's supposed to be, wondering why it's not working. This isn't about her being less spiritual or about her being weak or, or less... Um, um, Competent in any way, but it's just about the structure and the order that God gave. And, and, and because it represents something, it represents his rep- uh, relationship to his bride. So husbands, love your wife as God loved the church and gave himself for her. Wait a minute, Christ died. He, he submitted himself to a cross. So let no man again ever say, well, the Bible says that my wife ought to submit. You insensitive, Claude. <laughs> because you better hold yourself to that same word then. He submitted himself to a cross. He died for an idea. He died for something that didn't exist yet. He had a vision. He's, he had a, Christ had a vision of we. He said... He says, for the joy put before him, he went to a cross, despising the shame it would bring, just say, I don't care what this is going to cost me, but I'm going to do it because I have this idea that one day all of you, we, us, we would respond to God. We would say, oh, I'm sorry, God. I'm, I truly need you. We would respond because of the sacrifice of Christ, and God would grant us his forgiveness. And for, for that joy, for the idea of we, while we were still sinners and rebellious to God, Christ died for us. He gave himself so that says, now husbands, that's how I want you to love your wives, a sacrificial love. When was the last time you had a sacrificial love for your wife? Listen, a sacrificial love. That's the first thing I want you to see about the kind of love God says, here's how you love your wife. It's a sacrificial love. Am I willing to be inconvenienced for my wife? Am I willing to give, to be in second place behind her and behind her wants and her needs? Am I willing to be inconvenience for her? Am I willing to give up something that I really, really like for her? I know a guy a few years back, and, and he had 50-yard Colts tickets, 10 rows up, okay? Best seats in the whole building down there. And I found out that it was his wife's birthday, and he was planning to go to the game and take his buddy. So I challenged him. I said, what are you doing? You mean to tell me that, it, that you would rather... Go to the game with your buddy instead of spending the day with your wife, and he says to me, well, it depends who's playing. <laughs> True story, and unfortunately, he's no longer married today. It's just the truth. It just, it's just because it's not about the game. It's just about the whole spirit. You carry that spirit that it's all about you, and it's about me and my preferences and me first. It is not going to last. A sacrificial love. Do we love our wives like Christ loved the church? Here's another part of this. He said it was a purifying love, not just sacrificial, but it's a purifying love. That he might sanctify her and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. That he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. But that she should be holy without any blemish, perfection. Do you realize the implications of this, husbands? That he's saying that, that you are, your role is to be the spiritual leader of your family, that you're supposed to represent Christ, that you're, you're to be a purifying influence in your home, that the purity and the sanctity and the holiness of your home is a reflection of your life there? Are you committed to protect your wife from the impurities of the world? Is it your goal in life to model purity in such a way that you can lead your wife and lead your children in holiness before the Lord? Do you love her with a purifying love? Husbands, you got to love your own wives like your own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. And so that's what this means. If you have that healthy sense of God esteem like me and God are good. And I'm walking with the Lord, and, and he is talking to me, and I'm bringing my relationship and that influence, that presence of the Holy Spirit into my family and, and to my wife. That I am, just by my presence, being a, a purifying agent in the junk of this world. Is that, that's what he's talking about. Now, a man who's trying to now get, now guys, I'm talking now just to the guys who are saying, I want to follow Christ. I, I want to serve him, and I've committed my life to him. When we start falling short of that repeatedly over and over again, and we start walking away from God in one part of our lives, you know what the response becomes? It's anger. Frustration. You don't like ourselves. You feel like a failure. When you feel like a failure, when you feel frustrated, when you feel ashamed, you stop talking to God. You stop praying for your wife. You stop being that purifying influence Then your family is robbed. This, This is what pornography does for a guy. It's not about the sin. It's about what it does to your family and what it does to you. When you're a Christian, you know that, you know, to, to even look at a woman lustfully is to commit adultery with her. You know that in your heart. And so you carry that with you. And you start feeling bad and you feel guilty and you feel ashamed and you get angry. And anger is that mark that you just carry that frustration around. So listen, stop trying to win the fight with that by just saying, you know, I, I'll never do that again. Or, 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 or you can't do it. How's that working for you? It doesn't work that way. God says, I've got a plan for you to totally transform your life, to set you free. It requires you to submit to God. You say, well, I know that. How do I submit to God? Well, I'm glad you asked me. Here's what it says. Take a look at 1 John. This is what submission to God looks like in this area. Take a look at this. Just do what God tells you to do. If you walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. You want that to be gone? Just walk into the light with somebody. Oh, I want to do that. That's kind of embarrassing. And you know, well, it's not that big of a deal. Listen, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth isn't in us. But if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And a clear conscience is a, com- is a confident uh, husband. This is the submission part. Well, I know you don't want to do it, and I know you feel like, well, I don't know if I, if I want to go there, and it's kind of embarrassing. Listen, you are in the most amazing church family. The we of this is so awesome, because we're in a community together that if you ever shared that with one of the spiritual leaders, your small group leader, one of the pastors, one of the people that leads one of our groups, if you ever just said, you know, told the truth, you'd, you'd get this. You'd get like, oh, okay. Well, I'm glad you said something. Good for you. Because we're all in this together. Get that, done that, been there. We know. No guilt, no shame. We want you to be better. In fact, get rid of the idea that accountability is all about telling somebody all the bad stuff you did. That's not the point. That's not what it's about. The point is, is to say, I want to be a man of God. And I'm struggling with something. But if you'll help me be the man I promised to be, will you help me to keep my word? Will you pray with me? Can we set some goals and help me to be the person that I should? that brotherhood that comes, the way God designed the body, he designed the we. There was never an idea that you should walk this Christian life alone. Guys, God didn't even wire you that way. And there's a loneliness in your soul that, that God would deal with if you just say, okay, that's why it's so important. The we of us, this church, is so important because our we is, the we that we have is the unconditional climate of acceptance, that it's the no guilt zone. Like, we know, we know you haven't kept your standards, let alone that of God's. We know that. Welcome to the club. But we want to become something that we're not. And we want to become, stop saying no or like bad, I don't want to do that. That's not the point. What do you want to be? I want to be a man of God. I want to be a purifying influence in my family. I want to be a man for my sons. I I want my sons to see how a man of God lives in this world. I want to be an agent of change. You see, you got to have a vision of something that's bigger than you. And drop your guard, and you'll become the incredible man you're supposed to be. I want to fire you up for that. A grateful love. This love is not just sacrificial or purifying. It's grateful. No one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. What does that mean, to have a nourishing and cherishing love? Well, this is talking about the value that you have for your wife. Does she know that you're the most important, that she is the most important person in your whole world, that she is prized above all else? There's nothing that nourishes a wife's soul more than to know that her husband thinks that she is the most important thing in the world to him, that, 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 that he is so grateful to have her. He's just, feel, I'm just the luckiest man in the world to have you. You're the most important person in my life. And, and, and he listens to her he listens to her, he opens his heart up to her, she talks to him and he's present and just in the listening she knows he thinks that I'm, I'm, I'm it, I'm the most important person in the world, you see your relationship with God hinges on this because if you shut down to your wife, you don't listen to her, you turn her off, even use the word of God to say wife you know submit and all that stuff then God's going to treat you like that. To the degree that you listen to her, that you're responsive to her needs, that you care about what's happening in her life, then God says, well, you come to me, that's what you're going to receive from me. I'll listen to you. I'll pray for you. You're generous with your wife. I'll be generous with you. You put me first in your life so that she can see and you bring holy. I'll, I'll make sure you're my priority. That's an incredible. This is exciting. A grateful love. You see, here's the thing. A sacrificial, purifying, grateful man, who wouldn't love him? Who wouldn't say, I respect that man? This is the vision that God has. Will you really be the spiritual leader of your home? And in order for for us to get anywhere, for for the we of it to be successful, then it's going to require submission at some point on both sides. You understand this isn't about legalism, right? The Bible's never about legalism. Anybody who tries to make it into a list of do's and don'ts is missing the point. This is about a spirit. And I'll, I'll just put it this way the spirit of this whole thing is about no, you go first. You go first. I'll, I'll be second. You go first. You, here, no, it's not, not about me. Here. You go first. That's what I'm talking about. You, there's, there's a we here, there's an us that's more important. So you go first. Take the lead. And if you get that you're going to be successful. But hear me. If you don't have that, if you harden your heart, if you make it all about me and and, and uh, it's my way and my preference and I don't care really what you think, you're going to you know and, and wives you can you can you can power up and and force him to submit and he just gets resigned, it's not going to work. And I know one of the prevailing options, and, and nobody likes this, but it's a, it's a prevailing option, right? And we say it's going to be painful and it's going to be awful. But, you know, if, if we have to get divorced, I mean, if you make me pack my bags, can I just say this? That what God has put together, he said, let nobody separate. And, and Jesus said this. He says, in particular, let no one split apart what's joined together. Look, you are grown. You're a grown man. You're a grown woman. You can do what you want. You may even have just cause. I mean, I'm not telling you what to do. I think that the whole purpose of that verse is you can't take apart what God put together. There's going to be blood, you're going to bleed. There's going to be financial bleeding. There's going to be emotional bleeding. There's going to be children bleeding. You, you cannot just take apart what God made one. It's going to, you know, you can do what you want to do, but get some tourniquets. Get some band-aids. Get, or get, get some bandages. Get some oxygen. Because, because it is going to be, there's going to be a ripping here. Almost like you picture like two conjoined twins and they're sharing the, the, the systems and they're sharing the organs and the blood and all of that. You can't just take that apart without causing incredible damage and risking death. So, so so, I'm not telling anybody what to do, okay? Don't write me and say what well, you said. I'm just saying you need to know there's going to be blood if that's the course that you choose. Why not submit instead to God's plan? Why not just be humble? Why not you first? Why not be the man of God that he's called you to be and bless and break the curse from the past and bless your children and future generations to come? Husbands, Love your wives like Christ loves his bride. Offer grace. Offer forgiveness. Be generous. And that is what you're going to receive from God. And wives, respect your husbands. And love him and submit to him as is fitting in the Lord. My prayer today for all of you is that you'll just simply say this. As for me and my house, we, we will serve God the Lord. Amen? Everybody agree to that? All right. Can we just pray together? Will you bow your heads with me? I want to lead you in a prayer. Father, when we get this, when we can come together, get past our it's all about me mentality, not just in our families, but I think, I think you're preparing us as a church for the we, the the thing that you've called us to do. And we, we can't do that unless we get it right in our own families. We can't have a we as a church until the family is strong. And so I pray that today we take responsibility in our families. Let every person say to you, God, have your way in my life. I hold nothing back. Do what you need to do in me. I submit myself to you. Men, submit yourself to God. Just simply say to him, whatever the Holy Spirit convicted you of today, say, yes, God, I'll do it. I will do what you say. I want to be a man of God. I want to be one who loves sacrificially. I want to be a purifying agent in my family. I want to bring holiness to my home, and to my kids. And I want to be grateful. Lord, do that in my life. I say yes to you. I'll take the first step. Wives, God, humble me. God, help me to trust you. That's right. Trust God. He's got you. He's got your whole life. You don't need to fuss or worry or fight. If you'll submit to him, trust him. He will take care of you. God, help me to stop freaking out. Help me to trust you today. Yes, God, that's me. God, unite us and give us this vision of of we that we can submit to. Take us where you want to lead us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. Keep coming back. yourselves uh, you know we're just trying to figure this out here Dave. Okay. we're gonna we're gonna look awkward but uh, we're together the We
1: go, just a few announcements uh, we have a lot of uh, different programs here at the church that you can come to in the evenings if you're hurting for any reason and I met with one of the associate pastors at another church this week because they have something we don't have, we have something they don't have. So if you're hurting in any way, we'll find a way for you. Uh, we, we just really want you to know that we're giving to that. And I'm in Stephen Ministries, so it's, it's just an important part of this church. The other thing too is that if you've never made your own decision to be baptized, you can do that today. Uh, we had a, a gal last week that I prayed with two weeks ago And she was baptized last week, and it was so good to see that. So if you have any questions, you can go to the front desk and talk to Kirsten, or you can come up and talk to me. But we have everything you need to be baptized today. We also want to pray with you, and we want to minister with you as well. And I've been praying about this all week because, you know, we're all just ordinary people. We all have our issues. We're all not perfect. And I want to share a blessing with you that happened to me this past week. My father and I have never had a close relationship and he lives in Nashville, Tennessee. All my years I was growing up, I always prayed to God, why me, why does not my dad like me? Why won't he do things with me? Why won't he communicate with me if I try to communicate with him? It's been that way for a long, long, long time. And then I started changing my prayer to God instead of about me, about four months ago I said, God, You know, I'm just blessed for what you have given me in my life. And I'm also blessed to have a father who is still alive and that we can communicate if you can help me. This past Tuesday was my birthday and I received a card from my dad. And um, he had a letter in this card and he's never done this before. And he said, you know, I know we haven't had a great relationship and I know it's been a long, long time. But I really want to change our ways and, and move forward. And then he called me and we talked for about 15 minutes. And that's the first time that I've had any connection with my dad in five years. So it's a way that you just
0: change your life. Well, well, the thing that's significant is you changed your prayer. And you submitted to God and said, Lord, change my heart. And that's what we want to do for you today. We want to pray for you. Prayer changes things. Don't walk out of here and not pray with somebody. When God has been speaking to you, we have all kinds of people who are going to come and just pray. People are going to be baptized. Whatever you need to do, respond to God. I better stop preaching. Here you go.
1: <laughs> but He's right. It's the way you change your prayer. So please, if you want to pray, just come up and say you need prayer today. So if you'll please stand, and we're going to end our service, and it's time now for our offering. We just want to bring the Lord, His tithes, and our offering. And all you have to do is just drop them in the box on your exit the way out. And also your response cards. And I want to leave all of you with this this morning. You know, it's our hope that when you leave here, you came in differently than when you came in. And, you know, we're not all perfect, but just if we just change our attitude to gratitude, and I'm not saying there's not anything out there that's going to be negative in your life today, but if you just set your goal to be positive and pray to God and be thankful to God for all that you have, and if you become discouraged because things are falling short, and you want to quit, don't you dare do it. Just believe it and receive it and live in Christ today. Amen. Amen. We love you.